treat black women the way that you would want a man to treat your mother or even your daughter. Start there, take that with you, and just do better. Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your co-host, Shauna Pennock, social media director here at The Grio. And I'm your co-host, Jaron Keith Gaynor, managing editor at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, do y'all know how to properly love a black woman? Hey, listen now, I'm I'm ready for this conversation, Jared. Let's talk about what's on our minds this week, Jared. Let me hear you. I just have to give a PS, PSA to uh, our wonderful people down in Miami, Florida. Uh, <laughs> spring break. Uh, so if you have been living under a rock, Miami has gone viral. There are thousands of people right now celebrating spring break and some not celebrating spring break, but they're in Miami anyway, um, having a good time, not wearing masks. I mean, social distance is like, they don't know what that is. Um, And it's gotten so far to the point where the police have gotten involved and there's been a a racial component to this as well because police um, have responded with SWAT tactics against predominantly black and brown people in Miami. But I have to say it's very, very um, disappointing to see these many people in Miami acting a fool. Like we are, we are almost, I hope, in the tail end of the pandemic. And <laughs> that is getting, optimistic, Jared. That is optimistic. <laughs> people are getting vaccinated. We, we met our 100 million goal, or at least Biden's goal of 100 million people vaccinated. And people just have to relax. Like I get, I get it. Look, I'm gonna be transparent. I for my birthday, I went to Puerto Rico with <laughs> one friend and we socially distanced, we got tested, we were safe, it felt safe. But what I'm seeing in Miami is on some other level. Like it looks, it, it was like, it, it's just too much. And I, I get it, people are tired of being locked away in their apartments. I am too, you know, mm-hmm. I think that it's okay to travel if you do it responsibly. But why even bother, if I went to Miami, for example, and I saw that many people, I would, I would have booked my first flight back to New York because, <laughs> That's just, you're just asking for COVID. And I, I just don't understand. There's no fun that you could have in Miami that will be worth catching COVID, bringing it back to your home state, giving it to your family, your grandparents. It's just not worth it. Like, just just relax, y'all. We almost, we, we almost there. Let's, get, let's just get through. Let's get through this pandemic. And then you can return to your spring break festivities. Mm. I mean, but let's, let's also acknowledge that the people that I've been seeing in Miami on these photographs are not your typical spring breakers. These are not college children. Y'all old asses done brought yourselves <laughs> down to Miami to act a fool, to revive like freak Nick. This, it, y'all are wilding. Y'all are bugged out. And I, as a matter of fact, I'm so glad that you talked about that, Darren, because I even got into like a little, a little, a little back and forth, a little tete-a-tete with a young lady in our Instagram comments who was like, well, you know, life is short. You only live once. Sis, you know what makes it shorter? COVID. What are you talking about? Like, what? No. Listen, I'm going to stop finger wagging black people because there's a finger wag of a white person that needs to happen today. And that. Kylie Jenner, please come on down. Like you need to come take a take a, a seat at this table, okay? This is my red table talk. Um, so for if those of you who are unaware, so Kylie Jenner has been getting, 
I believe rightfully, dragged like hell through the Twitter streets, just just dragging her by her edges. Uh, because apparently Kylie has a, a friend who is a her former stylist, I believe. Um, and he is, apparently is needing some kind of, I think it's like brain surgery, but he's needing some kind of surgery at, at the tune of $60,000. And so Kylie Jenner, who has, you know, very much so a, a huge following who let's note Kylie Jenner makes about, I believe they say $14,000 a minute. We'll see. <laughs> but um, Kylie in a, in a show of support for this friend, for this stylist, she reposted this man's GoFundMe to her Instagram and asked her followers to please donate as well. And then if you go through and you see the donations, you see that Kylie Jenner, Kylie Jenner of the Kardashian family donated $5,000 to this $60,000 bill. Now, not to count anyone's pockets. However, Kylie Jenner is a literal billionaire, not self-made like she thinks she is, but a literal billionaire. $60,000 to me sounds like a drop in the bucket, right? You, you went and bought your baby a Birkin bag. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure you can afford the 60,000. Now here's where I, what was also irksome to me is I said, this is your friend, your employee, essentially, who is going through whatever it is that he's going through. And you're asking your followers, your broke followers, in the middle of a Pandarosa, okay? It, I, what? Ma'am, 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 no. I'm sorry, no. And again, not to count anybody's pockets, not even saying that. Matter of fact, no, I will say that. Yes, the rich are obligated to help the rest of us. Why? Because what are you hoarding the money for? Yes, you, well, some people have worked hard to get that money. I understand that. I get that. I'm not saying that you need to be out here living hand to mouth like the rest of us. I'm not saying that at all. In the middle of a, I'm going to take a word from Kid Fury of the Reed, in the middle of a Pamela James, you are asking broke people to donate money. Now, granted, I believe last time I checked, TMZ had reported that I think his GoFundMe had far exceeded the $60,000, uh, you know, goal raising fund that they were looking for. I think they, last time I checked, it was like 96000 And granted, let's be real, Kylie Jenner giving it, you know, that kind of, of, of breath more than likely helped raise the funds in such an astronomical way. However, it shouldn't even have even gotten to that. And I get it. And Kylie has since come out and she says, well, well, wait a minute now. This is first off, he's not one of my besties or anything like that. He's a guy that we, we're not that close. I happen to see it and I posted it on my thing. You presented it to the rest of us as this was your homie, this was your friend. That's how you presented it to us. If this was just a random man off the street and you happen to come across this GoFundMe and it touched your heart so much and you wanted to donate, that would be one thing. You positioned it as... Hey, this is my homie. Y'all should donate. He's such a wonderful person. Blah, 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 blah. Can you please help? Why am I helping Kylie? Why am I helping Kylie? Go get one of them Birkin bags from Stormy and leave the rest of us alone. That's all. But that's all I had to say. Anyway, 
So let's go ahead and move on into the show this week. Now, (laughs) as we all know, we are in the final week of celebrating Women's History Month here at The Grio. Uh, If you've been keeping track, hopefully you have. You've been seeing our Black Women Amplified, all of those things. We have been celebrating Black women, especially, you know, even here on this show. I mean, aside from week one where we had to gather the cistern just a little, just a tinge, it's fine. But so many times we talk about how the Black woman is the backbone of our community. Yet in terms of romantic relationships and even familial situations, Black women constantly give more than they receive. This week, we want to rid ourselves of certain expectations of what Black womanhood looks like and talk about how to combat those with healthier expressions of love. Let's talk about how to properly love a Black woman. I'm really glad we're having this conversation about... uh, toxic versus healthy relationships as it relates to black women because if it feels like and you can let me know you can let me know but it feels like for black women uh there's a whole it's a a whole different category when it comes to relationships because and i want to start by i want to start set the conversation by talking about the the overly used slogan if you can call it that a ride or die because (laughs) the ride or die mentality or trope, or whatever you want to call it, it has, uh, I don't know the origins, but it's been around for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about uh, how it just popularized it's becoming in film and music in our own communities. Uh, and it's very problematic for a, a plethora of reasons, but primarily being because it enforces this idea that Black women should put up with whatever a man does. And even if it hurts her, even if it embarrasses her, even if it goes against her, uh, her, her virtues, mm-hmm. um, stand by that man, love on him. And, and why, why exactly do we, why, why do we put that out there for black women to have to live up to? And a perfect example of that this week was this very viral story that I'm sure people are probably still talking about, Derek, Jackson. Yeah. And he is a relationship expert mm-hmm. who was exposed by a, an alleged other woman who says that they had an affair and sh- she was under the impression that him and his wife were separated. Mm-hmm. And because he is a relationship expert who has his following on Instagram, I, I'm, I'm not sure if he's maybe YouTube. I'm not sure. I'd never heard of him until now. Um, <laughs> But he needed to salvage his following because it, it's a pretty bad optics to be cheating on your wife and you're a relationship expert. Mm. And so he he films this video with his wife with her bonnet on. And mm. this hostage video is what you're talking about. What's going on, guys? Derek Jackson here. I'm saying it here now is that Derek Jackson was involved with other women outside the marriage. And by involved, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about just casually kicking it, maybe a lunch or something like that. I'm talking about as serious as sex um, to sexual flirtation and and meeting up and that kind of thing. She's sitting next to him as he uh, apologizes uh, to his followers and I guess to his wife to some degree. And uh, she very much uh, accepts that um, apology and she's standing by her man. And it's just classic ride or die behavior. Mm. I already know you have a lot to say about this. <laughs> so I'm going to give the floor to you. 
All right. So I have been familiar with Derek Jackson. He's to me, he was always the I'm putting up air quotes here, relationship expert who would talk to people from his car, right? That's all the videos that I've ever seen. He's been talking to people from his car. Um, He also has, I believe, eight books, e-books. So, you know, if you're on Amazon, go ahead and get your Derek Jackson, J-A-X-N on. This is not an ad, please, (laughs) because F Derek Jackson, in my opinion. But I remember being becoming familiar with Derek Jackson years and years ago because there was some video that he was going off and and it felt very pandering to women, you know, type of thing. Um, at least he's not like, who's old boy, that old man who be talking reckless to people, talking about talking to women about, uh, you know, if you got children, if you don't want to. If you don't want to have sex on the first night, why? Because you already being, uh, be, you know, you already used up Kevin Samuels. There we go. Now he's no Kevin Samuels, but you know what? At least Kevin Samuels gives me my, uh, my F boy up front. Derek Jackson likes to sit up here and <laughs> you know, this, you know, those saying throw stones and hide your hands. Derek Jackson likes to throw his penis and, and, you know, and hide it, you know, just go ahead and tuck it back in. No, Derek, we peep it and we see you. Now, Derek Jackson in this video, I don't understand when and why was it ever appropriate for when you get caught cheating, now you got to feel like you got to address the rest of us, address your wife, address that situation. You don't, don't ever feel like you need to come talk to me. Okay. At all. D.L. Hughley, Pastor John Gray, you know, please don't ever feel like you got to say something to me. I am. I didn't sleep with you last night. It's fine. You don't have to say a damn thing to me. It's okay. Watching that video with Derek Jackson was triggering and it was infuriating to watch because, again, as you noted, she's here in her bonnet. She's brawless. She just looks tired. He's over here gripping her hand like a. Like, a again, if she looks like a hostage, I'm like, girl, blink twice for yes. Like, like <laughs> give me a signal that you were okay. It is peak manipulation, that entire video. And if you, I, I don't, I don't want to say her, her Instagram name, because honestly, I feel like, oh, girl, sis has been through enough. But if you've gone to her Instagram page, if you happen to find it and you've gone to her, her Instagram page and see some of her posts, that is a damaged woman. She has been through some ish. And I find it so interesting that narcissists and sociopaths like Derek Jackson love to attract these type of women, wife them down. And then you're still like, to me, she appears, she comes off to me as a broken person. And I think instead of being her partner and helping to kind of help put, help her put the pieces back together with but alongside a therapist, you know, we advocate for therapy here. Mm-hmm. He goes further in tearing her down and tearing her apart. And there are so many people who pick me and, and, and more sociopathic narcissistic men who are like, well, you know, she's staying down for her husband and she's yes, ride or die. F all that. Let me die. Okay, and that's I ain't riding for nothing. You know who I ride for? Jesus. And that's it. Okay, <laughs> the Lord. And that's about it. Let me die. In the words of Sweetie, go ahead and take care. Like, let's talk about Sweetie too, as a matter of fact. Mm. Sweetie and Quavo 
have broken up, blah, blah, blah. There were rumors he done repossessed the car. Apparently that's not true. All these things, whatever. But I loved, loved that message that Sweetie took to her Twitter to go and say, because again, people were doing a whole lot of yak, yak, yakking about that girl. And she had to say, let me tell you something. Presents don't make up for the scars that are left behind. One. And two, also understand, like, if I'm being dishonored as a woman, why am I sticking around? What For what? Struggle love is not cute. Y'all are sitting here and so eager. And we've talked about this on the show before, Jaren. Folks are so eager to try and have like the old school relationship and we made it work and we did it and whatever else. No, 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 no. Black women, let go of the albatross of, oh, I got to stay down. Let go of the albatross of, oh, I done found this black man. He might not be a good black man, but he's my man. No, girl, he's trash. Let him go. Be with other trash. Plain and simple. I want to touch more on the wife. I think her name is Denia Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you go to her Instagram, you know, to your point, you know, I think she also is broken because she she opens up about being a victim of rape. Um, and abuse and you can just she's just I see someone's crying out like you know pouring their their heart out on social media she's mm-hmm. in pain mm-hmm. uh, and as someone who has who comes from a history of trauma um, I've been I've said it before in this show I'm a victim of child molestation and oftentimes when you when you're still um, in the bouts of trauma you want to be somewhere that makes you feel safe even if where you are is not actually safe and it also distorts your ability, your ability to to uh, identify what is safe and what's not safe when you're when you're when you're in that type of psychology, and you know seeing her sitting there with that with her husband and um, she didn't look comfortable. She did another video by herself, you know, reacting to the criticisms that she was receiving for the first video, um, and then she she brings in Jesus into it, and you know I am a I am a believer. I am very spiritual. And I'm not discounting her faith and I think that her faith is real. But there are levels to, to that. And sometimes when people um, really, uh, she, she was kind of, it felt like she was reciting uh, Bible verses, but she hadn't yet really lived and walked that life and really believes all the words that she was saying. And she was blaming a lot of it on Satan, the devil, the enemy. She used that word a lot, the enemy. Um, and it's like, yeah, I, if you believe in the Satan, I understand it from that vantage point, but the real enemy is, is what's, what the spirituality is happening within your husband. You know? And she's making social media and the devil the problem, but you're strip away the spirituality. Your husband cheated on you and that's hurtful. And I would rather her be like, you know, that hurt me and I'm still going through it, but I wanna, I wanna see this to the end. So. Mm-hmm. If it was, I didn't, if it felt, it didn't feel authentic. And I think that that's what a lot of people are seeing from her and this whole, you know, this whole scandal. And it's, and it just speaks to, I have, look, I'm not a black woman and I don't understand that walk, but I am a queer person who has a lot of black women in my life who I love and care about. And I've been there by their side when they're crying because of the things that black men have said and done to them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the things that black women, um, can sometimes endure uh, over and over and over again 
because of this fear that if I leave him, you know, that removes my safety. You know, and I've been in that position too, like feeling like this relationship is what sustains me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I, will, I will ignore all the red flags because, you know, God forbid I have to go out into the real world and be single again. But sometimes when these things happen, that's the best thing that can happen for you to remove yourself from the situation, mm-hmm. do your spiritual healing work, mm-hmm. figure out how you really feel about it before you just jump on the internet and defend this man mm-hmm. who, who just cheated on you. Who got caught cheating and lied about it initially and then had to come in and soup, 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 go ahead and backtrack <laughs> and tell the actual truth because you was out here spending whole, whole weekends and such with your side chick and then uh, I'm sorry, leaving voice, leaving voice uh, videos and such about, oh, what pan- what kind of panties you got on? I want to know the style and da, da, da. Excuse me? Now, uh, Jaren, so I just want to go ahead and you remember that, uh, that op-ed that I wrote some, I think sometime last year in the summertime about Pastor John Gray, who ironically was in Derek Jackson's Instagram comments, dragging him to filth because apparently Derek Jackson had a whole lot to say when Pastor Gray got caught cheating again, you know, on his wife, Aventer. And I just wanted to read a section from that op-ed because you know what? Damn it, I was in my bag that day. And number one, number two, the fact that you were talking about, you know, the whole idea of, religion and how this also plays into it and this and on and quite frankly this is one of my biggest problems i too am a believer shout out to uh first corinthians baptist church out here in harlem pastor mike yay uh but (laughs) with all of that being said i think the black church has done black women a disservice and has contributed to this whole ride or die mentality right like and i've said on this show before I support divorce. Get the, get the getting if you gotta go. And so there, there it is. Um, but yeah, so I, I had said what I find most insulting is the, is the faking of contrition by the pastor. And you know what? We can go ahead and use Derry Jackson and the pastor interchangeably because it's, it, it applies. Uh, in his recent apology uh, to the Relentless Church congregation, Gray does not take clear responsibilities for his own actions, instead choosing to blame some invisible spirit of inf- infidelity that has once again caused his misdeeds. He proposed that he and his wife's public embarrassment should be an example for others to be to do better. Let's be clear. This is emotional and spiritual abuse. It is the conditioning of Black women in his congregation to accept manipulation and infidelity as simply the devil by way of their husband's penis or another woman and not an actual shortcoming and moral failing of their partner. Now, I say all that to say, let's move on into another uh, another. I don't even know if this is a, a if it's really a quote, it's an adage, whatever. But the idea of love your sons, raise your daughters has always pissed me off. (laughs) And it has always been a problematic statement. And I get it. I understand where it comes from, right? Because, and this really applies to the black culture in general. You have to love your sons. Why? Because those little black boys are going to grow up into black men and they are, you know, attacked and and demonized and, and victimized and criminalized in so many ways, right? Whereas Black women, you're supposed to raise your daughters. But what are you raising your daughters to do? Are you raising your daughters to just go and 
continue to love little black boys who turn into black men who have no accountability? Are you raising your daughters to grow up to become black women who are taking BS of the highest <laughs> of the highest levels just for the sake of that they can say that they love somebody and somebody loves them, which let's be clear, anybody who is dishonoring you cannot love you. Plain and simple. Anybody who is dishonoring you cannot love you. They may think that they do, but real love is real, real, all true encompassing love that, that Corinthians, you know, <laughs> that Corinthians love that people be talking about that it is entrenched in honoring the person that you have chosen, whether that is a spouse, whether that is a partner, a life partner, whether that's your boyfriend, girlfriend, da, 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 whatever else. If you have said, I am committed to this person, be committed to that person, plain and simple. At the, at, so the idea of love your sons, where you're teaching them that they don't have to be accountable, where you're teaching them that, oh, you know, boys will be boys and men will be men and men can sleep around because it doesn't really matter. It's BS and whoever is out here still teaching that nonsense to your sons and your daughters, you should be ashamed, plain and simple. What are your thoughts, Jared? I know I went off a little bit. <laughs> it's not a Dear Culture show if Sean is not going off. <laughs> uh, there's so much massage noir at the center of all of this. And I think that whether we're talking about how girl, young girls are raised versus young black boys or how um, black women in the church are conditioned versus the black men. It always centers around, you know, one, there's, there's always different standards for mm-hmm. men versus girls versus boys, men versus women. Mm-hmm. And there's always this idea that um, that the role of women is to, you know, service men in the church. Black women are, I mean, listen, the, 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 the nurses in the church, the ushers in the church, the, uh, the, um, the, the treasurers who count the money, everybody services the the pastor and the church I grew up in, I saw all the time. It was like the pastor had this nice throne and he sits on the throne, the pulpit and all the women give him the water and they give him food. And, and that is how men that this is a, a, a world that men have created. This is a, whether it's the black church, whether it's the real world, whether it's the black home, um, and it's, it's so problematic and I'm glad we're, you know, it seems like in 2021, like we're really having these conversations, conversations that we should have had decades yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's, it's incredibly frustrating because of the whole, like, you know, love your sons, raise your daughters. Like, why not just love your sons and love your daughters? You know, why does it have to be a different standard? There's just this idea that black men uh, need to, the, the, you know, that, that saying that the, every father, a black father, their job is to make sure that their daughter doesn't end up on the pole. Like, it just <laughs> continuously speaks to like, well, is, is your daughter, is, is she more uh, sexual than your son? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if, you're, if your daughter ends up on the pole, it's either because she, she chose to one, she has mm-hmm. the, the right to, to, to decide what she wants to do with her body and how she wants to make her money. And when you really put, peel back the layers, the only reason why, you know, there's a need for a strip club and, and the only reason why women feel like they need to do that to make their money is because men created, set the stage. Men have set the stage for this to even occur. This mm-hmm. is not like if women were treated equal and 
they can get the same jobs and the same uh, pay as men, maybe they wouldn't feel the need to go on the poll, you know? Listen, men have been chasing, paying for, to just be able to, to, to look at, sniff at some cootie cat since the dawn of time, okay? They, they've been, they, it, they're not new to this, Jaren. They are true to this. Mm-hmm. And it's always so funny how, to me, how, I don't know if you've been seeing, I mean, I have to be in the Twitter streets because, you know, job. But there's been this new phrase that's been like going on as I, I'm just like, y'all are such garbage that I've been seeing about like high value black men. Anybody who is actually of high value would never call themselves <laughs> a high value black men. It's you brokies who are out here <laughs> trying to demonize women who are either autonomous in their sexuality, who are upfront about, hey, if you want you know, to spend time with me, it might cost you something. <sighs> Y'all are draining, bruh. <laughs> Y'all are so draining. Gee, let's also talk about love your sons, raise your daughters. There is this real weird undertone of men who are looking to women to be their mothers. Now, I know that you are a you are a, a proud queer black man, but I, I want to know what has been your experience of or you know of seeing this happen. Like, do you think that that's true? I, I have my thoughts, but I'm gonna save it for, for after your point. <laughs> you know, I'm not the expert on this topic because I think my mama raised me, you know, very balanced. Uh, I think- <laughs> I think it's a whole different thing for a heterosexual black men, and I'm not a heterosexual black man to really understand the psychology behind that. But it's real. It's definitely real. I definitely have seen it. Again, I have friends who date straight black men, and a lot of them kind of come from those type of households where, especially in a single home, mm-hmm. where they were raised by just their mother. And you know, the, the, I'm you know I'm pontificating. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not. I have no license. But if I had to give a little psychoanalyzing here, you know, I think it kind of, the root of that is, um, you know, black women have a lot of, again, we're talking about trauma and pain. You think about, when you, when you think about uh, slavery and what that did to breaking up the black family mm-hmm. um, and mass incarceration. And even, even like, you know, voting rights, the fact that men had the right to vote before women did, like there are a lot of things that divide men and women. Mm-hmm. And the, the the breaking of the relationship between black men and black women it, it, it is generational it's it, it's like it, it's cyclical and so mm-hmm. if uh if a mom is if your mother is um heartbroken maybe because the father left her mm-hmm. uh, or he was sent to prison or he was killed um your son becomes an emotional crutch for you mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, as human beings tend to transfer our energy, we transfer energy to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have a, a man or husband in my life. Uh, so I transfer that emotional dependency onto my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a child, all you want is your parent to, you want your parent to love you. Mm-hmm. And so young boys in those types of situations end up having these really deep relationships with their mothers, but, but it's unhealthy when you peel back the layers because they haven't there, they were uh, held responsible for their mother's emotional baggage, mm-hmm. um, baggage that was not created by her. It was created by society and mm-hmm. the, the, the people who failed her. 
Probably um, a no count daddy, but go ahead. <laughs> and, uh, and I've dated someone who whose mom, um, she immigrated from a different country. I don't want to give too much of his business. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and she helped his father uh, come to the country. Mm-hmm. And then he left her and had a whole other family. Mm-hmm. And she was deeply traumatized by that. It was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And and it created a lot of issues between him and his mother. It wasn't the emotional dependency of mama's boy situation because he was raised by his grandmother instead. And it's a whole different thing, but you see the ways in which um, it has an impact on the child. And, and then if you don't know any better, you, you then you're now you're a man and you don't know how to properly love a, love a woman. You don't, you're not emotionally stable or emotionally, you don't have the capacity to, to decipher, you know, what is, what is healthy was not healthy. And so I think underneath all that is this just really misappropriated emotions that creates these, these cyclical familial behaviors and traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, I'm just happy that my mama didn't do that because <laughs> it's deep. It's some deep stuff. I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I don't want this to become a Shahigo Shada man hating again. You know, I don't want it to become that. I also don't want it to become a, hey, you know, Sistrin, it is actually on y'all for raising these raggedy ass men. I don't want to do that. There is so much deep healing that needs to happen in Black culture just in general. Um, but especially as it relates to relationships, heterosexual relationships in particular, um, between black men and black women. Um, and the reason why I say that is because as you were saying, like, there's so, there's so much trauma, there's so much unpacking to have to do. I can't expect for a black man For me, I can't expect for a Black man to really know how to love me unless I teach him how to love me, right? And so the way how you do that is you establish boundaries and you stick with them. Therein lies a problem, right? So that's, that's step one. You establish boundaries and you stick with them. Men are not very difficult to figure out, in my opinion. They're really not. They're, 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 they're very simple creatures <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the heart of things. They're, it's, especially cis hetero men are actually fairly simple-minded creatures. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't take a whole, whole lot to, you know, get into a, a, a good place for them anyway. The problem is me sitting here having to try to teach him how to love me by establishing these are my hard yeses and my hard noes. These are my boundaries. You cross this boundary, we're out, right? But I can tell you as a Black woman, that has been a challenge for me at least, at least through my 20s of establishing a boundary and sticking with it because you are conditioned as a child, hence the love your sons, raise your daughters. You are conditioned as a little Black girl if you are attracted to cis hetero men, <laughs> you are conditioned to, you have to, you know, stick with them by any and all means. You have to, oh yeah, well, you know, it, that he, he just, he just doesn't understand. And so I have to sit here and, and, and teach him all of these, th- 
it's very, it's, I'm trying to find the right words without dragging people. It's, <laughs> it's very, it's very challenging um, to say the least. It's, it's, it's draining. It's very draining. Um, and I say this as a person who, I just had to have a conversation with a, a, a past um, entanglement <laughs> week about, let's be very clear. I'm not your therapist. I'm not your second choice. I'm not your option. I'm not your mama. I don't want to be any of those things for you. And what you're not about to do is put any of that on me as means to prove that I somehow love you, as means to prove that I'm somehow worthy of you committing to me. That doesn't work for me at all. And I don't, I don't know, man, there's just so there's there's just so much. And I think it kind of begs the question of like, well, what, what kind of equal partnership can even, what does that even look like between black men and women? Right. Especially I, I, what are the healthy ways that black men can feel like men without sleeping around, without disrespecting women, without engaging in misogynoir, without, you know, trying to humble women, which really y'all, y'all Negroes need therapy. Let's be very clear. Y'all need the, the therapy. And there's a little bit of socio on your path. Okay. There's a lot of that going on. I would like to see in the future, black men figuring out how to get rid of their egos. I would like to see black women learn how to just be happy with themselves in all honesty, because I feel like it's not until we get ourselves to that level that we're, that we're going to be able to where the men are going to catch up and get a clue, plain and simple. That's all I had to say. Like when the men are going to catch up and get a clue, like, and, and it's also this idea of stop thinking that for us to have any kind of unity and harmony in a relationship, especially that somehow I have to be subservient to you that let me tell you something. I get it. I get it from a Christian standpoint. I get it. But no, I believe Jada Pickett once said, somebody had told her, oh, you know, behind every good man is a good woman. And she said, no, no, beside every good man is a good woman. I am your partner. You will treat me as such. You act the fool and you get the boot. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. What about you, G? Ooh, listen, <laughs> um, now queer black men <laughs> are problematic too. <laughs> But I really feel for you and Black women and, and the emotional labor that you have to do um, to try to have love for yourself, but also have room and love for cis heterosexual Black men. Mm -hmm. um, and I would just, I would leave this conversation talking directly to Black men. Mm -hmm. um, there, if you want to uh, treat Black women better, you want to have a healthy relationship with Black women, treat black women the way that you would want a man to treat your mother or even your daughter. Mm -hmm. Start there, take that with you, um, and just do better. 
We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is Antil Tequila, voted Best Tequila for Summer 2020 by Cosmopolitan Magazine and co-founded by Nayana Ferguson. Antil Tequila brand created the world's only coconut lime Blanco Tequila, a premium Blanco tequila infused with the natural flavorings from both the coconut and lime. The Antil Reposado tequila is aged for eight months in Tennessee whiskey barrels and is a sweet agave with slight caramel and vanilla tones and a very smooth, subtle finish. Visit their website at tqspirits.com. That's T-E-E-Q-S-P-I-R-I-T-S.com. The Greer has published a list of 50 plus Black businesses to support during the coronavirus pandemic. If you'd like your business to be featured, email us at info at thegrio.com. That's G-R-I-O dot com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. And please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments, we love those, to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture Podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Blue Saluzma and co-produced by Sunda Sassan, Brenda Alexander, and Antonio Thompson. See you next week.